Morning everyone, it is brilliant to be with you as always and we've been loving going through this Titus series. Uh, I think so many of us maybe have actually never read the book or sort of gone, is it valuable for us in a real sense of, of teaching through it as a church and we've just found that it has been incredible. Uh, and it's been challenging, it's been inspiring, and I trust that as we get towards the tail end of it, we will continue to experience God working in our lives and transforming us to become more like Himself. So I'd love to read, we're in Titus 3, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read uh, that, the little section, Titus 3 verses 1 to 7, I'll pray, and then we will dive into it. So this is what it says, Titus 3 verses 1 to 7, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect uh, courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we're going to unpack these seven verses together. Um, I just want to pray and we'll continue. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for your presence with us as we look, as we connect through, uh, through screens. Thank you that your word is living and active. That it doesn't matter the time of day or night. It doesn't matter what's happening in our lives. Thank you that you can speak to us, that you want to speak to us. And so I ask you to um, open up our spiritual eyes right now. You would open up our hearts and we would be ready uh, to hear what you have to say and then to obey. And so we trust you for that and we, we, we say have your way over the next few minutes together. Amen. Uh, I want to ask a question is have you felt the difference, which I'm sure you have, um, between what you intake before exercise or before a busy day at work of many meetings um, and how you feel on the back of it, depending on the type of food that you've eaten. And I, I think it's, it's so obvious. There's no ways that you can perform at your absolute peak when your eating hasn't been the right sort of intake or, or energy producing food um, and fluids that your body needs to perform. You see, what we input makes a dramatic difference to our output and there's different types of fuel for our bodies some will give long-lasting energy so it's slower burn it lasts a longer amount of time maybe endurance athletes need more that type of energy or you're using uh, high amounts of brain power throughout the day maybe there's different foods that release energy slowly over time then there's the the fast action uh, energy that, that that suddenly comes very quickly and maybe that's as you see the athletes running they, they take some of the gels or, or there's sort of uh, fluids that, that are able to give you high levels of um, energy at, in a quick burst and then there's some that are essential to survival like water we can't survive without water so it's a fluid that might not not necessarily give you 
a, a crazy energy boost, but it's actually something in the background that's essential for us to survive. And so today what I want to look at in a spiritual sense is that for us to live as Christ followers in this world, or more than to just live, for us to experience deep purpose and joy. That's what we're all after. It's what society's after. Christ gives it to us, but then we can also live at this sort of very safe level of, of existing. But the God wants us to live with a deep purpose and joy. If we're going to live like that, one thing is for sure. Just as an athlete can't perform better by trying harder without the right muscle fuel, we can't thrive as Christ followers by trying harder and harder. We're not going to get where God wants us to be. We're not going to live the life of purpose by trying harder and harder. We need the right kind of spiritual fuel. We need the right kind of input to allow us to give out the right spiritual output. Without this fuel, we will not reflect Christ to a broken world in desperate need of saving. Just last night, uh, I was lying awake and I had this picture of a party boat uh, almost in a place like Vic Falls, but, but it could have been somewhere different. So uh, people were on this boat and there was, um, there was sort of music pumping and some people were, were dancing. There was sort of champagne popping and there was some crazy guy sort of just throwing uh, sort of $100 bills or something around. But it was, it was just this kind of raucous party. People dressed up in expensive clothing and the music was, was sort of pumping around. And, and, and then there were these people on the banks throwing these sort of life rings at the boat they, they were kind of they were kind of chucking these life rings they were bright colored life rings um but but many were, were just sort of going go getting ignored and, and there were some people who sort of above the vibration um of the noise and 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 the and the partying that was happening they sort of looked out from the boat and, and they sort of saw these people on the bank who were sort of shouting and they were going like we're, we're, we're here to like we're, we're here to save you here's the solution and 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 we're throwing out these um these life rings um and it was that these people on the bank were able to see that this boat was about to head over um, a huge waterfall almost like vic falls to these people's death um but so many of the people in the mix, because of the sound of the music and the distractions of the champagne and, and the money getting thrown around, they, they just weren't able to see um, the disaster that was coming upon them. And, and I had that picture because, like friends, as Christ followers, we really are those people on the bank who are throwing out life rings to people in desperate need of saving, some who don't even realize the danger that they're in for all eternity. And the way that people see that what we have to say from, from the bank and, and, and see that that life ring is essential and turn and look at the disaster that's coming, the way they see it is through the way that we live and, and through the difference that we are in society. And so it's essential that we live out the way God's called us to for a world that desperately needs Jesus to be able to see. So I want to look at four simple points today. The first two, identify the lifestyle God's wanting us to live. That's the first two. And then the second two describe the fuel that we need to live this way. So you're going to have the first two and it's like we see through scripture, this is how we should live as Christ followers. But the second two come in and say, that's the target I'm setting you. But the only way you're going to be able to live that target is if you have the right fuel in your system, just like an athlete. And so the beginning of that passage, it just says, remind them to be submissive, remind them. And in that phrase of remind, I just know that's what Jesus wants to do in our hearts today. He wants to remind us again. Maybe you've, you've heard these sorts of talks or preachers very often. Maybe there's been a, a twinge in your heart 
um, about faith and it's sort of you become distracted right now God says I want to remind you I want to remind you and that's how the letter starts out uh, Paul says remind them so that's the challenge so first one of how God wants us to live our actions what we do look at how it says remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient to be ready for every good work now these instructions from Paul refer to action submitting yes a part of it might be in your heart but a lot of it is you show it through action so that's that's submission um, and 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 submission means to show honor and respect to be eager to follow that's really what it's talking about notice how it doesn't say good rulers or authorities it just says submissive to rulers and authorities so our actions as Christ followers should depend on what Jesus requires of us rather than whether it's deserved or not massive challenges Christ follows the way that we submit and honor and respect authorities is not based on their action it's based on what Jesus has asked us to do well what if we're asked to do something that we don't like maybe it's something mundane maybe we're passed up for a promotion and someone else is promoted above us provided it's not against God's heart we obey provided what's asked of us whether we like it or not is not against scripture it's not against what God would say, we obey, we're submissive to those who have authority over us. And on top of that, we're eager for every good work. We're waiting and looking for an opportunity to go above and beyond in whatever place we find ourselves in in life. We're sort of going, I, I, I'm eager, I, I want to do good work in any way that I can. We're asking Jesus to show us how we can serve and how we can serve more effectively and we're, we're excited for it. So Paul's saying remind everyone as Christ follows this is how we should live. So what does that practically look like? Well we aim to be the best citizens in Zimbabwe. We aim to be the best people in our constituencies or our, in our neighborhoods. We, we're the model citizens for other people to follow. We're world-class employees. So as Christ followers we want everyone who we work with and people who have um, uh, work ownership over us in terms of bosses and colleagues, we want them to go, that is the best employee that I have ever come across. They're employees um, that we, we can trust, we can rely on, they get to work on time, they finish when they're supposed to, they do the job, that is the type of employee that um, we want to be as Christ followers. For business owners, it means that your employees can't wait to get to work and love working for you. If you're a business owner that's that's what a Christ following business owner means it means that you lead your business and you run it in such a way that everyone regardless of their faith is is eager to work for you and is excited at the fact that you care for them and want to see them raised up that's an example of a business owner for Christ board members who care deeply about the interests of those who they serve rather than what you gain for being a board member we go and beyond we get to know our political leaders the ones that we like and that we don't like and we build relationships with them scripture is full of Christ followers God-fearing people who are put in the mix of, of, of political areas and political society that wasn't following Jesus but they kept shining a light for Christ and God gave them a platform to speak maybe he wants to do the same for you as you're listening right now maybe he wants you to get to know the MP in your area Maybe he wants you to get to know the, the people in, in the council, in the police stations, and to build relationship with them and be a light in that way. God wants us to be the best stewards of what's under our care, to be ready for every good 
work. So that's the first one, our action. God challenges our action. He says, how are you acting? Then he moves on and he, he looks at our speech, what we're saying. So what, how we're acting and what we're saying. So what it says, it says, speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. You see, our words flow from our heart. We say what's happening on the inside and it comes out in, in the words that we speak. And our words are incredibly powerful. They can transform conversations. They can build up and they can tear down. There's a passage that says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12 verse 34. And it's so true. What we say really is defined by what's happening on the inside. It shows the state of who we are deep down. And so we need to get better at listening for God's voice more and using our voice less. And I'm a fine one to speak here because uh, I probably speak far more than I should. But the point is for each of us in conversations, we really need to say, Lord, we want to be hearing your voice to us more than we are speaking out to others. That will guard the words that we say. There's seldom a quarrel or debate that leads to people feeling loved and built up. So our goal as Christ followers, even when it comes to a belief sense, it's not a quarrel or debate, it's a conversation. It's a discussion, it's talking, it's hearing someone else's perspective and giving ours. But the reason why uh, scripture would say we shouldn't be having, um, uh, avoid quarreling, we shouldn't be having those sorts of arguments is because they don't bring people closer to each other and closer to Christ. So um, how can we have conversations with people about Jesus that actually open a door to the gospel? It then says there to be gentle. And maybe for men in particular, this is a bit of a strange phrase to say you should be gentle because that might have the wrong sort of connotations in the society in which we live. But it's interesting that Jesus, when he's returning, he's coming on a, on, on a, on a horse and there's swords and, and, and in many sense a warrior. Jesus was not afraid to step up for what he should believe and neither were the disciples, neither was Paul afraid in the slightest if you look at what he went through. They weren't wimps, but they were gentle. Matthew 11 verse 29 says that Jesus is gentle so it's interesting the phrasing of it he's powerful but he's gentle i want to ask the question is are you and i considered gentle by our families are we considered gentle in the marketplace in how we operate and how we live for those we work for and those who work for us you see society tries to show us that influence comes from force and christ could have brought force and he could bring force all the time. But actually, he influenced differently. He chose to influence in a different way. So he cared enough to die. And he was courageous and he was bold and he stood up for what was true. But at the same time, he was gentle. If you're prone to anger or harshness, the challenge for Christ, from Christ for you today is to take on his strength to become gentle. We need to be gentle. Then it speaks there, it says, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Courtesy is really showing politeness and a good attitude to everyone. And notice in this passage, it says, show perfect courtesy toward all people. Not the people that we like, not the people that are nice to us, to everyone. So here's a quick little exercise. I want you to think right now about the person or the people group or the people type that just get under your skin. Um, so it could be, uh, it, yeah, it could be 
the way that people act. It could be from different nations. It could be a friend. It could be a family mo- a member. But just think of that person right now. That just they just get under your skin. How they talk and how they act. Um, and, uh, and and just think on that for a short moment, because what Jesus says right now is he says that we need to show perfect courtesy to all people, to that person, the person or the people could be thinking of right now, Jesus would say, my way to act in the situation would be perfect courtesy. What a challenge. What an absolute challenge. Uh, the other day I was at the shops. There was someone uh, who uh, clearly, um, whilst they're Zimbabwean, have lived in uh, England for many years. So they have a full British accent and uh, the card machine wasn't working, which happens in Zimbabwe all the time. And uh, they then started accusing the teller of uh, stealing their money twice because they'd swiped and then it got declined. So the teller said, can you swipe again? And they swiped and then they were like, hey, why are you asking me to pay again? Why have you stolen my money? And so the manager came and he explained and even they were with obviously a local family member who said, who was trying to explain, no, it's, uh, the, you know, th- this happens in Zimbabwe. And then they started get, going and, and shouting and saying, I'm going to sue. Don't you understand? I can sue this company for the way that you're treating me. And I just sat there going, Lord Jesus, Right now, there is no ways I want to show courtesy to this person. And there's no ways that I want to uh, live like this. That's the example. Jesus is saying we need to show courtesy to all people regardless of how they behave. And why does he ask us to live like this? It's so that we look opposite to society. So society asks the why question and we have the opportunity to share our faith. That's why. Why does, um, is, is Paul reminding Titus to tell the people in Crete that this is how you should live? It's because it should live, look different to society so that people ask questions. But how? So I've covered the two points, our actions and our words. But how do we live that up? Because I know if I read this, there's no ways I'm going to succeed in that. No ways. I know it. I know my heart. I know my character. There's no ways I will succeed in this by trying harder by trying to do better, by reading 12 steps to, you know, to a, a more controlled life or, or whatever it is. I know that's not going to happen. Self-help will not get us to live like Christ. Let's move on to the fuel. What do we need to input into our spiritual lives to be able to act and speak in a way that honors Jesus? Jumps in over here, verse 3 to 5. It says, for we ourselves, this is talking about Christ followers, so uh, if you're here and you're exploring faith and you're checking and you're exploring faith, um, this, is, this letter is written to Christ followers. And what's helpful for you is you can look in as someone who's exploring faith and go, this is what it would look like to be a Christ follower. This is what's speaking into the situation. So for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing regeneration of the Holy Spirit. This first part, the the talking about foolishness, disobedience, those sorts of things, that sums up society outside of Christ. If we don't have a relationship with Christ, whether we know it or not, we are slaves to earthly passions and pleasures. That's what controls us. We live our lives for pleasure and our passions and hobbies. It's what we do. If we don't have Christ, that is the focus of our lives. And this brings envy and frustrations. And the reason why it brings it, uh, Sarah and I have been watching Survivor, the Australian one. There's a man who, um, who's on the show and he was a top uh, Aussie rules football player for many years uh, at the top of his game. 
And he said, which was so interesting, he said, I've come, he, he's now hasn't been playing Aussie rules for eight years. He got into Survivor and he said um, in, the, in the interview, he says, the reason why I signed up for Survivor is because since I stopped playing Aussie rules football, I've had no purpose for eight years. And I've signed up for Survivor because I want to find a purpose for my life. Still a young guy. But what's he getting across is that he lived for passions and pleasures. And for him, it was being at the top when it came to sport. And when that was removed, he suddenly realized, I don't have anything. I'm frustrated and I'm envious of people who have something that I don't have. So I'm trying to find it. So these sorts of things are things that you struggle with in a society without Christ. We were slaves to passions and pleasures. And then we have malice and envy because of people who have what we don't have. And this is ultimately, as it says there, is ultimately foolish. And why is it foolish? Because it doesn't last beyond the grave. It's ultimately foolish like that party boat picture I shared earlier because if heaven and hell is real that we believe it is and we need Christ to be in heaven, it means that if we don't have Christ, everything is foolish because it doesn't last beyond the grave. So it's a huge challenge uh, to us. So if you're a Christ follower here today, you've been saved from that life because it says here, you were once foolish, disobedient. It means that we've been saved from that life. You've been rescued by Christ. You have a true purpose on earth and hope for all eternity. Now, what, the, what should that bring in our lives? What fuel should that bring into our lives? Well, it should bring gratitude, an overwhelming sense of gratitude for what Jesus has done. And gratitude towards God is one of the greatest ways to supernaturally fuel yourself. It says here in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 19, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Think about this, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Many people often ask me, I just don't know what God wants me to be doing. I don't know every day if I'm in his will, am I, am I living the way he wants me to live? From this passage, it says, if we get good at gratitude, not gratitude for gratitude's sake, gratitude for what he's done in our lives, the fact that he died on the cross for us, that he saved us from our sin, all of those things that are cheered on in that passage. If we get good at gratitude, we move into his will. How astounding is that? Literally, we get good at being grateful for the grace of God that we looked at last week. And as a result, we start to move into his will. So start thanking him for what he's given you each day and the rest will flow out of it. So that's the first one, gratitude. Gratitude is the first step of fuel in our hearts to help us to act and to say things the way God wants us to. And then finally, power, power. We need power to fuel us to live for Jesus. It says here, um, uh, but according to his own mercy, then it says, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So that's the second fuel element is power. Friends, we can't live for Christ in our own strength. And it's possible for us to be saved by him, to have received his forgiveness, but still to try and live for him in our own power. It's possible. We can be saved by him, but we aren't living a renewed way of life. 
And so we believe as Christ followers, um, 100% of the power that comes through the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is what it says over here. We believe in the triune God. This is one God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this blows our minds. And to be honest, if it didn't, I would be concerned because uh, for someone to create us who is on the same level of us doesn't make sense. For the person who creates a brilliant device like Steve Jobs developing the iPhone because I love Apple uh, or, or something else, he is far cleverer and more superior than that phone. Why? Because he created it. If God truly created us, he should be in a different realm to us. There should be things we don't understand. So the triune God is amazing. One God, three persons. It's astounding, but it, it blows our minds. Now in that, the Holy Spirit is called our helper. And Jesus, before he died um, and rose again, he said, um, he, he said, listen, I'm going to leave my, the helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to help you to continue to live for me. So I'm with you as God, but just so you know, the Holy Spirit fulfills a special role in your lives. And that's why in Acts 1 verse 8, um, Jesus said to them before he went back to heaven, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And these were Christ followers. These were people who had given their lives to Christ. So he was saying, you're following me, but you need even more. You need power from the Holy Spirit. And as you receive that power, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this happened. So Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he was a follower of Christ. And he denied Jesus three times. He was timid. He made mistakes. Well, we all make mistakes, but he made some, some pretty huge ones, which is encouraging because if you made a huge mistakes, you know, you're, you're in the same boat. He received the power of the Holy Spirit and he went on to not care at all about the persecution he faced and the, in the end to ask to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus. He didn't think he was worthy. That from someone who denied Jesus, what was the change? The power of the Holy Spirit. If you're struggling for courage and boldness to live for Jesus, you need an infilling of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit gives us power and then he gives us gifts to help us live out his plan. You can find out more about these um, in Romans and Corinthians. It talks about the wonderful gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. But we can't live as Christ has called us to without his power. Otherwise, we're just trying to follow a self-help guide to be better people, which will always fail. And so as Christ follows, we have Christ in us, the supernatural God within us. We have his power through the Holy Spirit who helps us and gives us the fuel to act and to speak as we should for Christ. So as I close off, how do we receive more of God? How do we receive more of him? We ask Luke. It's amazing. Luke 11, 9 to 13. Uh, this is what it says. I'll just turn there briefly. Um, Luke 11 verse 9. So Luke 11, verse 9 to 13. This is what it says. I'll jump across. So it says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it'll be opened. What father among you, now listen to this part, if his son asks for a fish will instead Give, uh, instead of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil, talking about us with sin and mess in our lives, know how to give good gifts to your children, which we will always give great gifts to our kids, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And again, he's talking to people who are, who are Christ followers. He's talking to people who are listening to him, who know him. And he's saying, there's even more. There's me and there's even more. 
So what we're going to do is we close. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to help us grow in gratitude and to be filled with the Holy Spirit afresh. And as a result, that's going to help us supernaturally to act and to say things as we should to shine greatest for Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the special time together. I want to thank you that you are a good father. I want to thank you that you, you call us to aim high in what it means to live as Christ followers. Some of the things that we've looked at today, we know we can't do in our own strength. We know we'll never be able to, to show perfect courtesy to all people, to, to be gentle, to, um, to be submissive to rulers and authorities who aren't always nice. This is, this is huge stuff. This is difficult stuff. And that's why you say that the way that we do that is through receiving your grace and gratitude for that grace and being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so wherever you are listening, wherever you're tuning in, I'd encourage you, whatever it takes for you to be open to God pouring himself into your heart, now you can do that. You can stand together. You can open up your hands as a sign of saying, I surrender to you, Jesus. I submit to you as you've asked us to submit to reason authorities. I submit to you as God. Just pray a simple prayer like we look there. Just say, Father, please give me the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. And right now, please give me the Holy Spirit afresh. Maybe you've never asked for the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just need to refresh. In parts of Scripture, it says, continue to be filled by the Holy Spirit. So Heavenly Father, would you pour out your Holy Spirit? Would you... Give us more of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're a wonderful gift to us. You're God. So thank you that you're our helper. Thank you that you give us power to live for you. We want to shine brightly for you in a, in a broken world. I pray that you'd help us in that process by your strength and not our own. Your name we pray. Amen. So I, I trust that's been helpful. I want to challenge you in the week ahead to go through those and say, hey, Lord, where are the areas that I'm weakest at? And Holy Spirit, please help me to live this out. And if you're struggling for purpose, I want to challenge you from tomorrow. If you get good at the start of the day saying, Lord Jesus, thank you for. And even if it looks like everything's going wrong, you could say, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for another day to live. Thank you for the food you've given me. Start with the basics and then grow from there. And as you do that, gratitude will rise. And as gratitude rises, we move into the will of God. Then as we ask for his power, we live this life of deep purpose and joy. And so that's our prayer for you as a team. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. We're really excited about what God has in store over the next few weeks um, and months for us as, as a church, as a multi-site church. And uh, so thank you so much for being with us and have a brilliant rest of your day. Cheers for now.